What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of OT Takes, Overtime Takes, whatever you really want to call it, with me and the great Zach Gray. What's up, man? How you doing? It's another beautiful day for a podcast. It really is, though. Like, last night, the last dance was good. We've got other things to talk about outside the last dance with Tua's little brother transferring. I hate calling him that, but I can't pronounce his, his first name. So I'm just going to call him Tua's little brother the whole time. I'm not even going to try. Uh, no disrespect to the Tonga Vailoa family. It's just, I don't know how to say those names. Yeah, like, no di- disrespect. I, I hate calling him Tua's little brother because having an older brother, being referred to as such and such as younger brother is terrible. I, you, you don't have an, an older yeah, sibling. Yeah, I you? have two older brothers, but they're a lot older than me, so <clears throat> I'm just Zach. Okay, I got you. See, <laughs> Caleb's only 14 months older than me, so it's it was Caleb's little brother a yeah. lot of my life, which is okay, I guess. But so, for those of y'all who don't know, to his little brother, he <laughs> <laughs> he is transferring away from Alabama. Um, a lot of speculation as to where he's going. I think the reason why he's transferring is, I I think, is because he he wasn't the backup last year. It was Matt Jones. So just looking at the order, that means he you'd think he'd be the backup this year, but according to CBS, Alabama signed the number one overall quarterback in the country, number two overall player in the country. So I think he's just sees there's no way that he's gonna get to play. Uh yeah, I mean <clears throat> with the rules now, I mean, if he wasn't gonna be in a position to to get some snaps this year, uh even as a backup, like this is probably the right move. I'm all for player mobility, especially in a in a sport where you don't get uh, paid for, for your likeness and stuff like that, go ahead and transfer. I'm in for that. But, yeah, the path to the field at Alabama was just didn't – there wasn't a fit there. Um, and he does what every other quarterback where there's no fit. And uh, I think, obviously, the right move for him if he thinks so. Definitely. So, we agree on where he ends up, which is crazy. So, you, you go ahead and drop that bomb. It just makes sense that he would, he would end up with – at least in a Florida school, more specifically Miami. Um, because, I mean, if you just connect the dots, and it's it's not too hard to connect the dots here. I mean, his family moves from Hawaii to Alabama uh, for for both of them to play football there. And then uh, Tua gets drafted to the, to the Miami Dolphins. And uh, Tua's little brother, sorry again, um, is, is looking for a place to, to transfer. I would, I'd, I can't imagine a scenario where they uh, where they made it to where they were just going to stay in Alabama for no reason, you know. So I think they'll probably relocate down to South Beach or at least close there, and, and his little brother will probably go somewhere uh, around that area for sure. What about Gainesville? I, I don't know how far away that is, but if 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 he wants to stay in the ACC and play against better competition, because as we know, the ACC is terrible. The only like the only good opponent he's going to play all year there is is Clemson. Right, so like if he wants the same competition, like I could see him ending up at Florida, which would be fun. I think seeing him in, in Dan Millen's offense would be nice because, you know, we haven't really seen a great quarterback in Dan Mullen's system yet. Like Felipe Franks isn't bad. He's he's the new hog guy, don't so I have do to that. I, I have to be don't nice to that. him. No, don't do that. He's. Not I said he good. wasn't bad. I said he wasn't bad. He's uh, he's, he's in the Arkansas Razorback now, so you have to boost him. Just he's not good. Continue. Sorry. <laughs> I just I'd like to see a more competent quarterback in Dan Mullen's system. Yeah, I mean, I, when you said it, I kind of forgot Florida had a football program, and then you dropped the <laughs> you dropped the bomb on me, and uh, so I was like, uh, I really like that. I think he would be a good fit in in Florida at Florida there. Um, like you said, that offense he could he could build an offense around him. I mean, obviously Florida always has weapons, um, but it's Florida, so they'll underachieve regardless. <laughs> Unless Urban Meyer's their coach and Tim Tebow's their quarterback, right? Right. The only way. Ohio guy. Just saying. <laughs> All right. So let's uh let's tri- let's shift gears a little bit to the the NBA. We'll get we'll we'll get warmed up for the last dance. So I saw a an article titled Shaq says they should kill <laughs> the rest of the NBA season. I didn't read the article, and you know these journalists, man, they may be out here tw- twisting words and stuff. But what do you think of the the idea of them just saying, you know what, let's just not finish the season? As a fan, I think it is blasphemous. I think it's I think it's silly to to think that far ahead right now. Um, things are things are all all like things are new every single day. 
developments are being made every single day. We don't know what's happening. Uh, I don't understand this whole notion, uh, especially in sports to just like act like just out of, on a whim, just irrationally, just cancel stuff and suspend stuff. Why don't you gather information, make sure you have everything you need and then make a decision over time. It doesn't have to be a, a split second decision. Um, I would love to watch the NBA, especially the playoffs this year. There's a lot at stake. I know you mentioned that when we were talking earlier. Um, there's just a lot of intriguing storylines for an NBA playoffs that I don't want to miss out on, and I know that you don't want to miss out on. So um, from a fan's perspective, bring me the playoffs. I don't care if it's in December. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, man, you know, like the players really want to play too, right? Like, like they've played 70-some-odd games – put all that wear and tear on their bodies just to not get to play in the playoffs. I just don't think that – I just don't – it's not fair to them. It's not fair to the players. So, I'm with you. Like, let's play them in, play them in December. Now, I have a <laughs> creative idea if we wanted to start sooner and have fans in the stands. We don't have to have fans in the stands. Let's, we don't, but it's That's the, a variable it's better. that's just too hard to figure out right now. No, I, I've got it. I've got it. You do not have it. Anyway, <laughs> go on. Okay, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe that once you get COVID and you beat it, well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that this <laughs> is true. When you get COVID, after you beat it, you can't get it again. So let's just fill stadiums with, peop- with COVID-19 survivors. Not a bad this idea. Is not, this is not a, the movie Gladiator, Jonathan Smith. You can't just – it's not – you can't just like, oh, you're good because you've had it already. That's not how I'm this just works. saying. I'm pretty sure that that's how it works because it's like once you get it and you you beat it, you don't you can't get it again. So I mean, if you can't get it again and you've already beaten it, that means you don't have it. You can't pass it, and it can't be passed to you. So the players aren't, aren't at any more of a risk. The fans in the stadium aren't at any more of a risk. Just let people who beat COVID nineteen in. I don't. I, I don't think. I don't think that's a bad idea. I mean, I in, on paper, that's a good idea, but I don't know how you execute that and you test every single fan walking into a stadium. That's just, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's that's reasonable or possible, but I love I love that you're trying. <laughs> I can tell you're, you're really wanting this thing to pick back up, and I can appreciate that. Yeah, we're, we, we've got to figure it out. I think, I mean, I, I think the easiest way to do it, uh, I mean, just cross off fans, like, if you're going to start it, just cross off fans and work from there. Um, I mean, we had that UFC stuff this weekend. By the way, I know we didn't think we were going to talk about UFC, but the way that it sounds when there's no fans, every punch sounds like a guy's skull is breaking. I don't know if you yeah, watched any, but the punches are so loud when there's no fans there. It's crazy, man. It's It's a different dynamic, too, because you can actually hear your corner. And you can hear like what the corner is telling their fighter, right? So it's a really different dynamic. I think it'd be cool to watch in, in one NBA game like that, just to hear coaches yelling at players, and because I think that you know when the fans are there, you don't hear the the communication on defense that these teams have. And it'd be loud and it'd be fun. It would be. It'd be a really different experience, definitely. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, I mean, to get in, getting sports back, cross off fans. That for right now, for at least 2020. No fans, no problem with me. I just want to see the athletes. Yeah, let's let's test the athletes too before we we run them all out there. I right, think that that, that would have to happen. I think that goes well. without saying. Yeah. But, so, okay. So, are, are we ready wrong. for the? That's what. I, that's what the long-winded answer into a short-winded answer. Shaq's wrong. Shaq yeah. would not want that if he was playing. So I don't know why he said it. Originally, like when you said Shaq's wrong, I thought you said Zach's wrong, and I was like, he finally admitted something, He's man. Never like, wrong. Let's... Zach is never <laughs> wrong. <laughs> All right, so I have a a bone to pick with this take that I keep hearing, and it just upsets me, man. Like, if you want to say that LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan, I'm gonna say that's fine because, like, I respect it. Okay, but if you use this take as your support then you're wrong. LeBron James. Okay, let me let me back up. Let me Be ask you a question, here. Zach Gray. I'm 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 trying to I'm 
I'm really invested in this, so I'm trying to be sure I don't mess up. Yeah, be careful with what you're about to say, because I'm loaded today. I am locked and loaded. Let me ask you a question. Who is the greatest defensive back to ever play in the NFL? I know this seems like it doesn't relate at all, but trust Namdi me, just answer the question. Who? Namdi Asamoah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it's probably Dion, right? Yeah, that's. I feel like that is like... A world-renowned take that Deion Sanders is the greatest defensive back to ever play football, right? Right. So he played in the eighties, in the eighties and nineties, right? So there's just this notion that Michael Jordan can't be as good as LeBron James because he played in the eighties and nineties where guys weren't as athletic, which I'm going to disagree with. I feel like, like top to bottom, like one through twelve, the NBA today probably is better. But I feel like 1 through 7, 1 through 8 is probably similar. Okay? Okay. So, based off this logic that Michael Jordan can't be as good as LeBron James because he played in the 80s and 90s, you have to apply that logic to every sport. So, basically, what I'm hearing is Deion Sanders can't be the greatest defensive back ever because he played in the 80s and 90s. It had to be somebody who played today. So, I guess that makes Richard Sherman the greatest defensive back ever. Right, like you, you I see the, no, I see your reaction, dude. Exactly, exactly. Like that's no, that is no. my point. And, and here, hold on. Are you? Are, you I'm gonna let you finish. You I'm see what I'm saying, though, right? Like you, you understand my my point of view. I here. see it, but you're missing something. There's no one that's challenged Dion yet that we that we have an argument with. We don't we don't think that's like fair. Richard Sherman is comparable to Dion Sanders. Okay. There, there's yes. not enough. There's there's not enough there to compare him. We can legitimately compare LeBron and Jordan. We can't that's compare fair. any current defensive back since Dion to Dion. Darrell Revis? I mean... Maybe. maybe probably not. But, maybe. But like, even off the top of my head, like, I don't see it. Like, I don't... I yeah, don't, that's fair. But when I but, think LeBron Jordan, they're right next to each other. And here, here's the other thing. Like, I don't understand how the other player's athleticism affects how good Michael Jordan is. Cause like, we're, we're looking at two guys and how good they are, not how good the players that, that they played against were. You see what I'm saying? Like, uh, either way, like, put Jordan in today's league, he's still just as quick. He still has a 40-something-inch vertical. You know, uh, Roar, uh, R- Coach Williams at North, North Carolina went on the herd and said that they clocked Michael Jordan in college running a 4 3 which is crazy. I just want to say that. So, like, he's still just as athletic as most of the guys that play in, in the NBA today. So, I don't understand how you can say just because he played in the 80s and 90s that he, he isn't as good as, as LeBron, right? And then I saw this tweet the other day that Sorry, really sums it up. Dog. You're good. It's, it's all good. So, um, I saw this tweet the other day, and it was – it basically said that, like, 90, 97, 98 Michael Jordan – is like the same distance to win. It's like the same amount of years from from LeBron's first year in the league as 2009 LeBron to like today's LeBron. And nobody would say that 2009 LeBron can't play in in, in today's NBA because they'd be called stupid, right? right. So I I understand that like athletes evolve over time, but that doesn't happen over 20 years. That happens over like hundreds of years. Yeah, but I think. I had a tweet about this, and uh, you liked it, and that's really what this, this, what got the ball rolling. I, I if you switch eras with either guy, probably they have the same numbers. Like they probably are the same player they were in the same in different eras. Like I, there's no thank you. But at like at the same time, it's like what side of the coin are you on? Like who do you, like? I'm not into the flipping eras, and oh, he's playing mailmen and plumbers. I don't, I don't like that. Like. They, uh, hold on, man. What's up? Is everything okay? Okay. Sorry, Jay Smith. Oh, you're anyway. good, man. I can cut anyway. that out. Yeah. Anyway, so the tweet that I had, it said, it said that if you put them in each era, like if you switch eras, they're still gonna, they're still gonna put up their numbers that they had originally. I, I'm not, I'm not in for the plumbers and the mailman debate. Like they're still putting up numbers. They're still the greatest basketball players of all time, Thank regardless you. of the era you put them in. Right. But then you do have to, to put some context behind some of the things when you talk about the, the Jordan LeBron debate and especially um, when it comes to competition. So um, I think, I think, then this is my hot take, so I'm going to transition a little bit to get to, uh, what 
why does it seem like LeBron is is uh, negated when he has finals losses? When when Jordan struggled to get out of the first and second round, and then in the the height of his career leaves the game, and then loses to the Magic in the sem- in his own conference semifinals. Like why is that? Why is that weighted? Uh, why is that forgotten? And why is LeBron going to nine straight finals somehow viewed as a negative? Yeah, so I would say in, in in regards to the Jordan thing, I think that if LeBron James stepped away for, I think they said, what, 31 months and then came back and tried to play, I think people would be understanding if he didn't play as well. Because it look, wasn't like, two years. They said th- 31 months. I think it was Did a they year not? and a half. I thought I could have sworn that that they said th- thirty one months in the doc, but you're right. It it, it may have been a, a year and a half. It doesn't. There's matter. no. You're right. You're it, right. You're a right. Significant there's, amount of time. You're, yes. Yeah. And so I just obviously there's rust there, and I think that if LeBron did the same thing, I feel like people wouldn't would hold him to the a similar standard of look. He hadn't played in eighteen months or, no, or however long not. it was. They I would think they crush would. him if he lost to the if he lost to the to the Rockets in the Western Conference semis. They would crush him. I think also looking back, like you see how good that Magic team was, and it's not like it's it's not like Jordan went out and got beat by some terrible team in like the first round that year either, right? And then I understand like the first round losses that came early in his career, and I mean, you know, once he got help, r- real help, he he didn't lose, and I think that that's another thing that that's why people kind of give him a pass on the first round buys and that and then. You know, one of the years he's playing against one of the greatest teams ever in in the Boston Celtics, and that was what eighty six, I think. And then that was the year he missed like sixty games, and his team st- still made the playoffs, right? And so I think that there's some different variables. And then I understand. Look, I'm not one of these guys who's like, you know, LeBron James is three and eight in the finals because I understand like you know he he played the Warriors one year with with Kevin Durant. And look, that's probably the greatest team ever. Like, I know that their record wasn't as good as the other team, but like, they went sixty-seven and fifteen, and have three guys who are going to be in the Hall of Fame, and maybe a fourth if they put Draymond in, right? So that year, like, I'm not right. upset. But look, I think that people really knock him for the Miami years because he's only got two, and when he should have had four, right? I mean, because you've got the Mavericks. There's no excuse there. Like they should have beat Dallas. They they were better than Dallas, right? The Bulls should have beat the Magic that year too in '95. I mean, you can make that argument. I mean, I just think that you know Jordan not playing for 18 months or however long it was. I just it's tough, you know. And I mean, like you can argue that that, that they should have won, but like that that was a good team, man. Shaq, Penny Hardaway, Horace Grant. So I mean, Do not throw Horace Grant in a big three. Nick Anderson. <laughs> Nick Anderson, you're right. I'm sorry, and then, but that and it wasn't like Horace Jordan. Grant is in your big three of the Magic that year. <laughs> sorry, I'm just kidding. I think it's funny it's it's though. just because uh, it's just because they 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 had talked to him a lot during the documentary. I think that I had right, to bring him right, up. Right. But I just I, I was saying something. Um, crap, I lost my train. Oh, and it wasn't like Jordan had played. I don't know. From anyway, like game one that year. Basically, what we're saying is is that we're going to run ourselves into the ground talking about this and the LeBron Jordan debate will not be settled ever and it will go on for the rest of eternity. As as long as long as you have That's him one and two, as long as you have him one and two in, in in any order, I don't think anybody can really be upset. Right. Um so I want to transition a little to the actual like uh documentary, the yeah. Actual, let's, like, let's the do stuff that. that. Yeah, the stuff that that um that was there. I I want to say this. I kind of I kind of talked down on the the episodes last time on the podcast. I kind of I kind of said I was out and I was kind of getting tired of it and bored. But they they did a great job last night uh, with those two episodes. Those were those were obviously my favorite two episodes by far. Um, I don't know if it was because I kind of uh, resonated with it a little more. I kind of understood it a little more, or if it was just. Um, just better production and just better story. Um, but but what did you think about last night's episodes? I really enjoyed them. The baseball stuff was obviously I loved being that a baseball cool, guy. Huh? I really yeah I really enjoyed that. Uh, hearing the fact that Terry Francona was his manager, I think it was just crazy. 
I think that's really cool, though. So I, I really enjoyed the baseball stuff. His comeback story was good. Man, that thing on Pippen, that was surprising. Talking about him not wanting to go in and play. Look, you talk about someone who's looked bad through this documentary, it's Scotty Pippen. I told you he was a baby. He is, man. Like, that's... I, yeah, I, I, mean, he, I understand he, he being did a upset. a lot of things that teammates shouldn't do. Agreed. Like, I, I understand being upset, but, dude, you're in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, you got to step in and play. But my, I, I, I tip my cap to them c- confronting him about it, though, because I feel like in today's culture, nobody would have said anything, and then it had been some big social media thing and players talking behind his back, but they went in. They said, Scotty, you, you quit on us. He apologized, and then they went back out and they played, which I, I respect that their ability to move on. Right. I mean, I don't know, dude. I think that sports are still competitive. I think if someone does that, takes himself out of the game when you're supposed to be the leader, I think I, – I know I would be furious, and I would say something. I oh, know me you too, yeah. Too. Right, so – it's just it's it's wild to me the rationale that Scottie Pippen uses sometimes and during his career, like what he like what his first initial reaction is is just absolutely crazy to me. Like it's like it's just shut down, or it's be confrontational, or it's it's let's not think of anything else but how I feel. Like that's that's really what it came down to for me sometimes. I mean, when things were going good, they were going good, but the moment something went bad, it seemed like he kind of. He kind of shriveled up and didn't want uh, didn't want to look for others first. He wanted to he wanted to know about himself and what was going on with him. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think I think that's why having Michael Jordan beside him was so good. So Scottie Pippen, you know, obviously, you know, I think you're right. Just the way that he just like his reactions were never or were never predictable throughout his career. And I think like you really hit that really really on the nose. And I just, you know, honestly, one of the players that I gained a lot of respect for as a player, is Steve Kerr. Like, you got to have some balls to punch Michael Jordan in the chest, man. <laughs> you, you get a you, – you, I mean, you pick on somebody for too long, I mean, something's going to happen. Somebody's going to step to you. Like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Steve Kerr has made a great career in the NBA and, and coaching and everything. He's got to have a little bit of fire to him. And he said it in the documentary. He said he was competitive, but he just was never good enough to back it up. Uh, I thought that was a funny quote, but I mean, you stepped to Michael Jordan, you got some balls on you, and it, it seemed like it it worked out for the best. Yeah, it, it definitely does. I know he talks about how much respect Jordan gained for him and how much he gained for Jordan after that. And I just, I love Steve Kerr. I relate to him so much, especially the being <laughs> competitive but not being good enough to back it up. Like that is me <laughs> in a nutshell, man. And so I, I, and look, like he is fiery. Like, like watch him coach, man. Like he. I think he led NBA coaches in, in technicals a, a couple years ago. Yeah, so he's he, he's, he's a fiery little dude. Would you punch Michael Jordan if he kept picking on me like that? Probably. Would you punch him in the chest or the face? Would you just go straight for the dome? Ooh, that's tough. It, it would depend <laughs> on what he said to me. Like, if it was like something really disrespectful, I might go straight for the dome. But if not, give him a little <laughs> chest shot. You know. What about you? I feel like I feel like you're going sh- straight for the noggin. You're you're just going for it. Yeah, I mean, if I'm gonna do it, I might as well try, like, just to to clean him out, like, just so I could say maybe I did, maybe I knocked out Michael Jordan. But I mean, that's that's easier said than done. I mean, he's a lot bigger than me. <laughs> he is big, man. Like, I I hate going back to the LeBron thing, but like LeBron's only like two inches taller than Michael Jordan. You know, LeBron, which is LeBron's crazy. seven foot, three hundred pounds. I thought. Is he? Isn't that I, what everyone I, says? Isn't that what? Didn't something he grow like an that, inch I guess. Every year he's been in the league, shouldn't he be like seven seven, three eighty by now? That sounds about right, honestly. That's I, I what they say, dude. That they do that with with LeBron and Kevin Durant. They add an inch every time they talk about him. Like in like. <laughs> Like people on ESPN will be like Kevin Durant seven three and can shoot like he's like he's like six <laughs> nine and a half. Oh man, yeah, you're right. That is that is true. That's funny. So what else from the uh, the, the documentary stuck out to you? 
Um, you know, not to get sad, obviously, and this isn't, I'm not sad when I speak of this stuff, but, um, the him losing his dad stuff, I thought that was, um, very, um, it, it hit home a little bit. Uh, for those who don't know, I lost my dad last year, uh, during my baseball season. Um, and it was very tough. And the whole, the whole way that, that Jordan navigated it and the things that he said, um, how he got through it, what he did, um, kind of just, it made me feel, it made me feel good knowing that, that I, I wasn't alone in that situation. I knew I wasn't before, but, but to hear an athlete like Jordan have to go through something like that, um, a very similar situation that I did, it it was really cool to see, uh, his perspective on it and how he, he handled the situation. I think, I mean, he handled it, uh, differently than me. Um, obviously we're, we're two different people, but it was just cool to see a, a different perspective from, from a very relatable situation. Definitely. Um, I'm not going to talk much about this cause I can't relate at all, but right. you know, right. being a media major, something that upsets me is, you know, he wins, you know, the, the championship in 95, 96. And like, I understand that as media, it's your job to get good stories, but you can't follow him into the locker room like that. You know, like, I understand, like, it's it's an iconic video, him him on the ground crying with the ball, but I just think that there are certain boundaries that you can't cross, and I think that that's one of them. Yeah. I, it was kind of I, – I've seen that before, but watching it last night, it was kind of like – I felt really, really, like, awkward. I don't know if, you know what I mean? Like, I just like, why are you recording that moment? That's such a, that sounds and looks like such a personal moment. Um, I mean, he, he just went through probably the hardest time of his life and he feels like he's back and, and he's emotional and you, you follow him in there and you're pretty much in his grill. Like you're pretty much right on top of him while he's having this moment. And it's just, um, I get it. I guess from a media side, I mean, does he really care that now, but in the moment it was just kind of awkward for me to watch that, uh, the second time around. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that goes back to the, you know, I remember earlier in one of the earlier episodes, I think it was the nights that they showed three and four. He talked about, you know, like being Michael Jordan for a day or a week, you know, was one thing, but being Michael Jordan for a year. And I think that that really kind of puts in perspective what he was talking about, you know? Um, cause I feel like most, and nobody would want that, and I don't think. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I would like to be Michael Jordan. I don't like that take he has. I would like to be Michael Jordan. For Fred, I just I, – I understand what he's saying. Let's not go back to that. We had a long – we talked about that for a while when he, when he okay. said that. All right, so we're – we touched on it a little bit, but we're baseball guys, so let's get into the baseball stuff. I've been waiting to talk about the baseball stuff. So, look, Terry Francona said that you give Michael Jordan 1,500 more ABs, he makes it to the major leagues. What do you think? I mean, he hit 202 and drove in 50 runs, and he hadn't played baseball in, like, forever. That's pretty good, right? Like, I would – I like, I like when I say 202 and some people that don't really understand baseball, that's that's, like, normal. Like that's pretty, that's like, that's pretty average for a professional baseball player. Like obviously you have your guys that are really good and hit over 300 and do all the crazy stuff. But like most of your guys are hitting like anywhere from 200 to 250. Am I right? Yeah, that, that, that sounds right. Um, even though I would argue that I don't think those guys hit 200 to 250 at the double A level. <laughs> I, I'm just uh, saying but, for that level, even like not even yeah, just like, it's just hard to hit like in that. And for someone to just to come in and, and man, he put the work in. It reminds me of, it reminds me of just like you always wanting to go down into the cages and, and just freaking making your hands blistered and bloodied because you just wanted to hit so bad. Um, and he had that, he had that, like he wanted to be a good hitter, but man, his swing stunk. His, oh man, I was, my dad asked, my dad looked at me last night when we were watching, he's like, so what do you think about his swing? I said, dad, that's one of the ugliest swings I think I've ever seen. <laughs> like, it was terrible. He's like lunging, swinging straight down, which he, back then, I guess, you know, they, they were taught to swing down, swing down, but still. He was an athlete, one of the best athletes of all time. 
he had a little bit of a baseball background. I think at least a little bit of you has to expect him to just be somewhat successful in that, you know? And I think, I think when you have guys like Terry Francona giving you praise and about not only your work ethic, but how you treated guys in the clubhouse and how you treated guys um, on the field and the respect you had for what, what was going on there. He didn't come in like some big hot shot like he could have, like Michael Jordan could have. He came in and he was just one of the guys in the locker room, one of the guys in the clubhouse, living out a childhood dream that, that he wanted to do to, to honor his dad and for himself. And he did a great job. Uh, I think it really helped him. I think that's the reason why he won the next three uh, when he came back to basketball. Um, it just shows you that baseball, a baseball clubhouse can can uh, can get you through a lot of stuff. Definitely, especially since you're there for you know you're there for 150, 160 games. You know, like the bond that you build with those guys, like like even at the college level, like it's 50 games, but like you're with those guys all the time. You know, and you definitely create friendships that last for forever. And you know, something that I noticed is, you know, when they interview him while he's watching, you know, the Bulls in the playoffs. He just looks happier. Like, I remember a couple episodes ago, you talked about how he just looks like a mad person all the time. And seeing him in the locker room, like, or in the clubhouse, he didn't look like a mad person. You know, he he looked happy, right? Like, he was, you know, finally, like, at peace with something, you know? So, I, I thought that was that was good. Um, like you said, like, it was really important for him to go back and play baseball. And I, I wonder if there's no uh, lock, lockout on the 94 MLB season if he if he goes back to play basketball. I don't I don't think he does, I'll be honest. You think he stays at play and plays baseball? I think he enjoyed it that much. Yeah, just seeing that and just the way that Frank Kona and those guys talked about how good he could have been, then I I think he would have stayed, yeah. 1500 at bats though for a 31-year-old already is not that he would have had to have really sacrificed a lot of things to be that young, but also so old. Like it was just kind of a weird age time for him, uh, especially when trying to play baseball. I don't know. He was always a basketball player. Obviously it's goes without saying, I just think he tried it and he dipped his toe in it. I think he just did something that he wanted to do and he thought would be beneficial to him and, and it worked. And I think, I think bas- I think he chose the right thing. I think if you asked him, he'd be, he'd be more than happy to say he'd go back either way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that he started that season on a 13 game hit streak is still mind blowing to me. <laughs> That's so stupid. Like that is literally, I was sitting there watching it last night and I was like, this is, this is absolutely ridiculous. There's no reason he should have a 13 game hit streak. He should he he should strike out every single time, right? Like he should not yeah, touch. Yeah, just looking at his swing. Boom, thirteen game hit streak. I mean, look, that just goes to show that he's like a lot of other guys. Like he can, he can hit the straight one. It's just the one that moves that he can't hit. I thought that was so funny when they said he didn't see a fastball till August. After he went on that thirteen game hit streak, he didn't see a he didn't see one straight for a while, and that's why. That's why baseball's hard because there's a lot of stuff that uh, is out of your control, right? Like you you can decide what shot to shoot in basketball, right? You can you can just shoot it, but in baseball you have to worry about what another guy's doing before you can react. Yep, exactly. So, do you have do you have any more thoughts on the on the baseball side of the story? It was kind of cool that he was a White Sox and not a Cub, and that's a little <laughs> shot at you. Okay, that's fair. I mean, you know, you want to go play for the the less famous side of Chicago? That's fine. I mean, you can do that if you want. The Cubs get any love last night? The White Sox did. Cubs got no love last night, but we got all, all we got all the love that we needed in 2016. So it's it's all good. Where's the Felix Pa documentary? Man, the Felix PA documentary is just a dude who could run. Like that's that's all I remember about PA. So he could just he was so fast. That's really all I remember about him. But now the uh the, the Soriano documentary is gonna be fantastic. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> the who? The uh the, the, the Alfonso Soriano oh, <laughs> documentary yeah. that's gonna come out at some yeah. point, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, him and Mark Gerzelanek in the lock, in the clubhouse together. No, no, no. The the documentary on Giovanni Soto winning Rookie of the Year. That Joey documentary Votto. is going to be great. Over <laughs> Joey Votto. That makes me so angry when people when when I go back and look at the the Rookie of the Year standings and Giovanni Soto is first and Joey Votto is second. That's frustrating. It makes me. That makes me so happy, especially since Giovanni Soto isn't even in the league anymore. <laughs> oh man! <clears throat> Real quick, while we're on baseball, why did it seem like the Cubs always had guys that would hit like nine hundred in the first half of the season and then not touch a ball for the rest of the season after the All Star break? Like that's a that's a classic Giovanni Soto move. That's a classic uh, Kusuke Fukudome move. Like you guys had a lot of guys that just fell off a cliff. Yeah, well, I think that I think you see that a lot with these guys. Like they come in the league, right? And it's you know here's some fastballs. Let's see what you do with that. And then you know once teams kind of get a scouting report on a guy and figure out what he can't hit, and then it's the question of can you adapt and figure it out? They couldn't. So I, I, you said what? They could not figure it out. Oh no, they couldn't. That's why they're not <laughs> playing anymore. <laughs> Which, like, that's another reason why, like, baseball is so tough, you know? Because, like, cause, like you said, like, you're reacting to everything. Because, like, like, in basketball, you know, there's guys in the NBA who can't use their, their offhand, you know? And they're still good basketball players, and they're going to be around for a while. You know, baseball, like, they figure out what you can't do, and then they just pound you with it, you know? Do you remember when I used to give you buckets in the rec center? I don't remember that, honestly. I, I think I remember my team beating yours every time we played. That's that's just the way that I r- remember it. Jonathan Smith, dude, come like this is supposed to be uh like we're supposed to talk with integrity on here, and you're just gonna lie. Okay, you're right. Like that. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll be honest. Z Zach Gray can play some basketball. I won't I won't lie. He's good. So now now that we brought up your basketball career, you got to talk about when you played uh, the great Andrew Benatendi in basketball in high school. Yeah, I was a sophomore, uh, and we were playing. We played them in at UC's arena, University of Cincinnati's arena, and I did not. I did not touch the floor. I just want to preface it with that. I was on the bench the entire game. Um, I went through warmups though. I did the layup lines and stuff. So, but I had a front row uh, seat to Andrew Benintendi's basketball, uh, his last basketball game of his career. Um, now. I don't know if people know this. He's not very tall. Like he, he's kind of short. Um, but he played like Steph Curry. He would shoot from anywhere, at any time. And the only reason that we beat them was because the rest of his team was not very good. I think he scored like thirty-four against us. Um, so yeah, Andrew Benintendi, really good basketball player. Steph Curry of the Division Three Ohio State playoffs that year. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's funny. If for those of you who don't know, uh, Andrew Benatendi went and played college baseball at Arkansas and is now the starting left fielder for the Boston Red Sox. So he's he's pretty good at what he's doing. He did what he I did the poor man's version of what he did. I did like the <laughs> way way lesser version. <laughs> so so I, I I need some props for for my basketball skills though because you know that I'm I'm not a bad basketball player. Like I'm I'm solid. You're a nice little you're a nice little point guard with you, you got you got some defense, you got some you got some offensive ability, but you're you're smart on the basketball floor and that makes up for 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 other things um like, uh, like being 5 foot 7. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to say but yeah, Jonathan Smith, I, I if I'm playing a pickup game, I would like Jonathan Smith to run the point. You know what I don't like about playing pickup basketball games sometimes? Since what, we're getting what's wrong it, with playing pickup? I don't like running point guard, but I always feel like I have to. Yeah, I feel that. Especially like when you play with people you don't know. And man, we went in there earlier this year. I was playing with with Cross, and there was some kid in there, man. Like he got the ball and didn't pass, and he was terrible. <laughs> he was awful, and that's and that's just kind of what happens with pickup basketball when you play with guys you don't know. They just kind of take the ball and they don't give it back. <laughs> So yeah, I, would get I, really I totally understand in the rec that. Center, like to the point where I would talk, I would talk smack to literally everybody, and I'm sure I was hated on a basketball court. Now, bro, you know who's better than me by a million? Who? 
T Lang? Taylor Langston. Taylor Langston's so good. I, I I hope he's listening. He's way better than me, and I I don't know why people think that I think I'm the best basketball player that was on that team. Like I have conceded that he's infinitely better than me a million times. Have I not? You have. And for those of y'all who don't know who Taylor Langston is, Taylor Langston is about six five, six six. Uh, he's he's really good. Uh, he's an All American baseball player at the Division two level. Always got to throw that in there when you talk about him. <laughs> And, uh, you know, he actually got recruited to play basketball at Henderson, right? Yeah, and I know that, and that's – he's really good. I, I just want to throw that out there again. He's really good. So, okay, this is something I want to hear your, your take on. What did you think about Jordan crying when talking about playing to win? And uh, Not crying. He, he, he teared up. So, like, what did what, you think about that? Um – that's just a guy that just expects so much out of himself and other people. And I think he just, he kind of had a moment where he was like, people are, I feel a little misunderstood, you know, like I expect so much out of myself and so much out of others. Um, and I just don't, he just doesn't understand how people could, could not think that winning is the most important. And I think he just kind of got choked up because I think, he feels like he is misunderstood. Um, I, that's an interesting angle, right? Because he, it seems like a guy that doesn't care about what people think of him. He just cares about winning. But I think in that moment, he kind of had that realization that he's misunderstood uh, because he wants to win so bad, and he just wants other people to win so bad and, and have the same thought process as him. What do you think about uh, that? He made <clears throat> – I agree. I think that you hit it. I I think it's good. I didn't think of it like that. I'll be honest, but I think that I, I agree. I think that's a really good good way to look at it. Um, he may have taken the quote of the series from Coach Coach Williams with the, you know, some people may look at me and say I'm a bad and say I wasn't a good teammate that I was a tyrant. Well, those people never won anything. That's crazy, <laughs> I, right? Like, I love that quote because I, I think he's right. Like. And just, you know, he talks about leadership a lot throughout this episode, and he's he's right on the money, man. Like, he didn't ask anything more of his teammates than what he asked of himself, you know? And when you have a leader who does that, then it's really easy to get on board, and it's easy, I wouldn't say it's easy, it's easier to understand when they yell at you for not doing whatever that they asked you to do, right? And so I, I, I really respect Jordan for that, because like, I know we love LeBron, and I don't think that LeBron is on that same level of wanting to win. Like not not saying that LeBron doesn't want to win, but I just don't think that they're on the same level there. No comment. No comment. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll I'll get really controversial. You ready? I don't think Kobe oh. Bryant is on the same level as that. Really? I think they're I was pretty just similar. Oh, okay. I was just kidding. Good. I just, Jeez, I just wanted to see. I was, like, I was, I was waiting on you to get upset. That's all that was. I was that waiting. Was I was gonna bone. wait until you gave me a reason, and then I was gonna get upset. But I wasn't just. I was gonna hear you out at least, and I was like, "There's no way he means this." That's how far we've come <laughs> because because my my freshman year of college, if I had said that, there would have been no waiting for for an explanation. It had just been Jonathan. You're an idiot. That's what would have happened. <laughs> I would say that a lot. I'd literally just call you stupid. I would just be like, "You're dumb." <laughs> and now I realized I, I definitely respect your opinion on sports a lot more now. So I'm not gonna just come out and call you dumb like I used to because I, I think that you're, I think you're a lot smarter than a lot of people I know. So shout out to you once again. I think we'll have this little honeymoon phase for a while, um, but expect it to get a little more intense. As oh, wait, when, comes around. when just game when games just no when the NBA playoffs come around and the Clippers play the Lakers that's when it's going to get intense because I'm a I'm a Clippers guy all the way like I, the Clippers I think are the best team in basketball and I didn't even have yeah, to ask that you. it's going to get intense that. there like that's just disgust like I I knew that and I just subconsciously knew you were a Clippers guy and that's that's disgusting. Pure disgusting. disgust okay. from my side, yes. Disgusting. 
I just don't know how you don't like the Clippers more than the Lakers. I oh like wait, the yeah, Lakers. dude, it's because you're because you're a LeBron guy. Like that's that's, that's why. <laughs> I, I am a. I'm not a. I'm not a Paul George guy. I'm not a, like. I'm not a Kawhi okay. guy. I'm not. I I love Paul George. Uh, just the work guy. that he's done to get back. I'm not a Kawhi guy. Kawhi pisses me off. To be honest, then you're an anti-LeBron guy. That's the only reason you'd like the Clippers. No, I like Paul George. I like Paul George. I I love Patrick Beverly, which shouldn't surprise Ew, you dude. at all, considering all right, I like Draymond Green. This is enough. I've, I have, dude, I, like you have I to. Never you have that I would to respect hear a Pat Bev apologist ever. You have to respect Patrick Beverly and what he does. Like I, he I gets think that, like, just he's, how all hard he's ever he plays. Get carried by other superstars, and he plays some defense sometimes. Some defense. He he was he amazing. was first team All NBA defense last year. Like, he, he's care. a great defender. I don't. I just care. think that you, you just... have to respect him. Like like you have Unreal. to respect how hard he plays every night. Like you can't not respect how hard he plays every night. Like like that's why I don't like Kawhi Leonard because he takes like he's like twenty eight and he's out here taking games off. Like the, like the only player in the NBA who has the right to take day, games off is LeBron James because he's been playing for so long and because he plays hard every night, right? And you right. know Kawhi Leonard's out here twenty eight years old, only playing like fifty eight games. You know, and I just that that gets on my nerves. And it's like guys who who play hard every night, I will always like. And Patrick Beverly falls in that category for me. Yeah, but he's such a douche. He that is. is he's I like, love. He's Draymond yeah. times five. Like it's just terrible. I hate watching. He he is so delusional. He literally thinks he's the best player in the world. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of players who think that. I mean, obviously they're wrong, but I just like I if you if you wanted to say he was the best defender in the world, I'd be like you're not. But I mean, like I think that you know when you especially when you're not as talented as other guys, you have to tell yourself that. Like you have to feel like you're as good as everybody else, right? Because I remember like my my freshman year when I was playing baseball, like I showed up and I didn't think that at all, and I struggled, and then eventually I was like, forget this. And I started, I, in my mind, I told myself that I was the best player out there, which if you saw me play, you would know that I was not. And I just, that elevated my play. So I think that, you know, some of these guys have to tell themselves stuff like that in order just to play well. Yeah, uh, sure. You can have that one. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll, I'll take them any, any way I can get them. <laughs> so... I know we, we went down a little bit of a rabbit hole there, but um, to to wrap up the last dance stuff, super good job. Um, I'm excited for the last two. I didn't know what to expect uh, last night on Sunday when I watched it, but I thought everything, thought this was their masterpiece, their Mona Lisa. These two episodes were the best by far, without question. And uh, I really it really saved my interest in, in watching the, the last two. Yeah, they were really good. I really enjoyed them. The last two are going to be, I think they're going to be a little bit different. I don't think there's going to be as many flashbacks because they uh, they left us at the 97-98 Eastern Conference Finals, right? right? And look, okay, before we wrap up the last dance, we got to talk about Gary Payton and Michael Jordan laughing at Gary Payton. <laughs> like, that was... Like I can't believe we haven't talked about this yet. Like him, he laughed at Gary Payton when Gary Payton said all that about you know guarding him and and everything like that and being in his head. And I, I just the fact that he laughed at him perfectly sums up Michael Jordan. Right. I mean, he doesn't have to talk. He won. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like he he doesn't have to to say words. He can literally just laugh it off because he won. He actually got the last laugh and the last word. Literally. So, uh, Gary Payton, yeah. one of those guys that um, you think about being a really good player, but never, ever going to be on the level of LeBron or, or Jordan or Kobe or those guys. So, um, Gary Payton Definitely. likes to talk. Uh, I've known that my whole life. He likes to he likes to, to talk trash and, and get a little bit over his head. So, I'm, I don't like Gary Payton. He's in that Isaiah Thomas, uh, like, field for me. So, I'm glad wow. we all laughed at him. Definitely. Saying I don't think he's quite at the Isaiah Thomas level, but I could definitely see where you're coming from. You know, just supposedly, like the way I think about him, I don't like him at all. 
That's fair. So supposedly, Gary Payton asked Michael Jordan for his shoes after game one of those finals, which I just think is hilarious. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's, you're, you're just looking for something to say. Like, you don't really mean it. That and, like, you know, the only other time I've seen opposing teams ask for player shoes, is that, like, the Olympics when, when, the, when the United States plays, like, Uruguay or somebody like that who just has no shot? Right. So that's all I've got. Okay, me me too. Uh, I think he's he's like <clears throat> if if Patrick Beverly could score just to tie everything together, so it did so it doesn't look like we chased around. This has been overtime takes. It's been this is Zach Gray with John. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can't deal with you, bro. I cannot deal with you saying Gary Payton and Patrick Beverly. Dude, I just I had to tie it all together, man. Like that was the whole goal here. Like that's why we chased the rabbits, just so we could all bring it back. It was just a part <laughs> Dude, of the, the master plan. If I I want this to be titled, I want this this episode to be titled titled the Gary Payton and Patrick Beverly podcast. We can do that, one hundred percent. I I will I will title it the Gary Payton and Patrick Beverly podcast. People are gonna be like, what in the world is this? <laughs> Oh man, is that all you got? But I think we're. I think that's we that's all everything. I've got. I think. I think. Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. Last dance is covered. Talked about Shaq's blasphemous comment. Talked about to his little brother <laughs> transferring. I don't. I don't. I mean, I'm just ready for games to start so we can have something to talk about. Because like, too. I think we're after, doing a good job though. I think we are, and honestly, like, last dance ends next week, and after that, man, we're gonna be Yikes. fishing for content. Yikes! But that's it's all right though. Well, we're, we're smart. We can, we can figure it out. So, am, am, am it I out. doing am, am I doing the outro this time or or are you? I don't care. Yeah, you got it. I got it. All right, awesome. <laughs> so, uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to us talk about Patrick Beverly and Gary Payton. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram and places like that if you want more content, especially Twitter. Because I don't really post much stuff about sports on my Instagram. It's Twitter, though. Like, if you want to see us tweet about different things, you know, follow us there. So I'm jschmidt underscore four on both Instagram and Twitter. And ZG, I'll let you throw out your handles. I'm on Twitter at grayzack22. I uh, like the color. Grayzack22. And Instagram is zg22 underscore MVP. Um, I would rather you follow me on Twitter than Instagram, so... Yeah, and by the way, Zach is spelled Z-A-C-K. It That's is. Important. People forget that. It's not Zach. <laughs> and then uh, like and follow You know the podcast or subscribe if you're on Apple Podcasts. Follow if you're on Spotify. Because I, I think you know we're, we're doing a pretty good job. And when the games heat up, the, the podcast will definitely heat up as well. So once again, just want to thank you guys for, for taking the time out of your day to listen to us. And have a nice week. Love you guys.